Welcome into the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm and Andre Simone is right here with me. And we have a really fun show planned for you guys today. Uh, last week we spent a lot of time digging through the entire draft, uh, every round, all the prospects who the Broncos could be interested in. Today we're changing things up. We're actually just going to be looking at the very top of the draft. Um, we're going to run through Todd McShay's first mock draft, which is going to be a lot of fun. There's some weird stuff going on in there. Uh, again, that's just the first round. Uh, there's a Sports Illustrated story that was pretty interesting and had some insight into the top 10 picks. And that's kind of our game plan for today. Of course, we will end by uh, getting into your guys' que questions, which you can always send in uh, in the comment section of the post for the draft podcast on the DNVR website. You do have to be a member to submit questions, but I think that it's probably worth it. Um, and then we'll cap things off by previewing the three bowl games that we are interested in this weekend. How's it going, Dre? Doing good, man. It's a... Uh Busy time at the NVR. Busy, busy time. You guys just had all the recruiting stuff going on. We just had a watch party for the Avs, a doubleheader with the Nuggets playing and coming back from a 20-point uh, 20 deficit to beat the Magic somehow handedly. They put up 24 straight points. Yeah, it was crazy. It's it was incredible. a joy to watch. Um, you know, lots going on. We've got shirts and gift box flying out the office because – People are purchasing those for their loved ones, some for themselves, which, hey, not, not a bad I might idea. I buy myself a couple. I think that's a good idea. So, you know, it's a, it's a great time. It's a busy time. It was a bummer to see that game in Arrowhead, but that just makes you crave for some draft talk that much more, and that's what we're here for. You did forget one important thing that's going on. What? Well, in about three and a half hours, I'm going to be in Boulder mm. to watch the Buffs take on Prairie View A&M. Wow. How, what how much more fun could alive. that be? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, Want to jump into this mock draft? Yeah. Tell the good people what mock draft you're talking about. So this is Todd McShay's first mock draft. First mock draft. I think ESPN's first mock draft. If Kuiper's come out with one already this year, we apologize to Mel about that. But yeah. Then this this had Twitter buzzing for for a minute. There's some surprises, as mock drafts will. This is very different than a lot of the big boards that we've been seeing. They're it's different from some of the mocks we've put together. Huh? Very different, very different. Or the uh, mocks you guys keep tweeting at. That's we're so now much fun. like uh, we're guaranteed to get like four or five mocks sent our way every single week. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. You guys and are there are incredible. a lot of good ones too. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are going a lot more defense heavy than I'd expect. There, there was one yesterday where there was like, uh, so, so there's that whole, you have your first round pick, second round pick, and then like five picks within the next hundred. Yeah, it's, it's right, that right, right. packed area. One of them had like a safety, two corners, defensive line all in that group, which was very different than what we've been seeing. Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a lot I of I love fun. it though. It's great. I mean, my concern is like, I, I take 30% of what you guys are mocking and sending our way. Seriously, you know, like I'm, wor I'm, I'm guarded. I'm worried that we're just getting our hopes up to be immensely disappointed. I know, and this mock draft really does this McShay mock draft change. Mm, it brings you things. down to reality, huh? Yeah, I, because I, it's. I mean, there are a couple guys who we were looking at as steals who are listed as first round picks here, which yep. again yep. makes sense. Everything's yes, gonna keep shaking yes, out does. over the next few months, and eventually, yep. all these guys, Najee Harris, 
Anthony McFarlane. Um, we're going to see Brandon Ayuk in here. Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't be there where we think they're great values. Let's, yeah. let's just get this going. Let's do it, man. Okay, so the way this works is it isn't based on the current draft order. Exactly. It's based on the team's current records and their football power index, which is a stat I don't understand. I'm not a big stats guy, uh, but basically they simulate the rest of the season based on how good the teams are, and this is what they think is going to happen. Yep. And these are Todd McShay's projections for what are going to happen with these picks. These aren't necessarily like what he thinks should be what happening. What he would do, right, right. Yes. That's it's, it's, all mock drafts for you, really. So always important to remember that, kids. Yes, yeah, so don't get mad at Todd McShay because you think he's giving your team a bad pick. Do not. Be mad at him because he... he doesn't realize Kareem Jackson's the, a safety in this scheme and he oh gave us yeah. Grant Delpit. Uh, there's one right there. Um, <laughs> Let's go. First overall pick, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. That's a lock. Duh. Yep. Yep, we can move along. Second overall pick, Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State, going to the Giants. Duh. Yeah. I think this... Yeah, actually, what was it? It was the Giants-Skins game. Anyways, this this one, there's been some implications with these two teams playing each other because the winner, um, the the team that's winning in the head-to-heads between Giants and Skins is really going to guarantee themselves they don't get chase young it's pretty crazy also we've had this asked to us on twitter yeah just this week uh somebody asked chase young has mentioned like he would consider coming back which is what you say in the month leading up to the biggest game of your life yes as an ohio state buckeye do you believe it for a second if you were to give a percentage chance of chase young coming back to ohio state what would you put it at uh he is gone we're going zero we don't even chance. need to talk about percentages he Perfect. is gone i'm with you brother yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah like, why would on. you go back no i mean you can you can only go down from here you've broken the record for sacks at ohio state uh you know a school that even recently has had some amazing pass rushers who took over the league immediately like the bosas and he's broken their records so there's really nothing more to accomplish Especially if they make it to the national semifinal or win a natty. Um, so, yeah, and there you go. Todd McShay, the draft analyst who put this mock draft together, if we haven't said his name enough, uh, he actually is on the record saying Chase Young is better than Joey or Nick Bosa. So there you go. Like, he is that good. There's no reason to go back. We also got asked if uh, we thought Chase Young should be a target for the Broncos. And uh, the answer is yes. Like, if he is on the board, you take him. And I did link an entire podcast that we did. We I mean, did that was that. the headline. We talked about it in a segment. Yeah. yeah. We would definitely take Chase Young. Yeah. Like, if he's there, you have to take him. But yeah. he's just not going to be there. Which is kind of fine. Like, they need yep. to focus on stuff other than edge rusher anyway. So yep. And I think great. that conversation turned into somebody asking, should the Broncos consider trading up? And you kind of just mentioned it there. Like, that's not... if, if Not for if, Chase Young. If he were that good and he were falling to four and he's an incredible value at four, and also you need an edge rusher, then you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. But if but if you don't need an edge rusher just because he's good value where he's at, doesn't mean you trade up. Nope. Nope. Exactly. Okay. Uh, pick number three, the Washington Redskins. Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama. Love it. Dropping for some. I do think the draft process will hurt him just a little, but I think that's great value. I mean, don't overthink Jerry Judy. That guy's going to get open at will for like 10 years. 
All right. And all those scores are, you know, all the combine scores that'll knock them some. None of that's going to matter. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Jerry Judy later on. So let's move on to number four, the Miami Dolphins, who take Tua Tagovailoa. I think a really smart pick. I think it makes sense. And I, from the post-surgery stuff, all indications are he should come back and be able to play. Now, durability is going to be a question, sure. That was a question before this injury and injuries in general. But Tua's talent's undeniable. He deserves to go in the top five. Yep, I think so. I think four. I mean, you can definitely debate it. Miami has so many draft picks. Of all the teams, they're playing the long game. They can afford to take this risk. Also, Drew Brees just became the, like, passing yards wise the greatest touchdown. or I think touchdown, touchdown right, 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 sorry that broke Peyton's record they were the front runners to sign Drew Brees in free agency with Nick Saban oh, wow. as their head That's coach right but were turned off because of the injury and decided to go after Dante Culpepper how different would that have been dude that's maybe the biggest what if of this decade Probably. Because it impacts both the NFL and college football so much. It's crazy. It's incredible. I mean, what if Breeze and Brady were in the same division, Saban and Belichick in the same division, battling it out the last 10 years or so? That would... I, and we, Saban we were not in the SEC. We were all robbed. We were robbed. Uh, and college football becomes completely different. Yeah, Just completely totally. different. Maybe totally. Dabo's coaching at Alabama. Maybe. Because that there would have been an opening, but he wouldn't have been the dabbo that he is. You know, like there's so know. many sliding doors know. to that. Um, so, anyways, don't don't do it again. Don't pass on another guy with incredible talent because of injuries. You better be sure your medical staff is on top of this. And I would overrule the medical staff. Yeah, and get it done. And I think that I mean I, I mentioned this last week, so I'll go quickly. But you know, every quarterback has knocks. Every quarterback has serious bust potential. A, a top five quarterback pans out what, fifty percent of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For Tua, he's he's so good that a, a lot of his potential for a bust just comes from the injuries. And so it's not like you're you're thinking, oh wow, he should be a lock because he shouldn't be a lock. He just also like like it's those injuries that are his bust potential more 100%. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. I I still think that you you have to pull the trigger if you need a quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa is there and Joe Burrow is yeah totally. Well, and I mean we've said this several times, but I feel you know Burrow two are kind of in a tier of their own, and then there's a significant significant enough drop off between the next best quarterback, whether that yep. be Herbert or Jordan Love. Yep, and uh, if if you're also still thinking that two is a little bit high, remember that quarterbacks typically rise throughout the do- draft pro- process. Understandably so, unless it was last year where Daniel Jones rose and Dwayne Haskins and Locke dropped. That was a weird one. But. Kyler Murray flew up the draft yeah. boards. Yeah, that was an odd one. But typically, yeah, yeah just yeah. across the board, quarterbacks go higher than you'd expect. Okay, number five, Detroit Lions, Jeffrey Okuda. Boy, Ohio do State. they need it, especially with confirming Matt Patricia and everything. Yep. Um, I think a great pick. Solid value. I, there are defenders I like better, but given how they play in their scheme, um, I think that's a good way to go. I think so. Uh, not too much of a surprise. Number six, Arizona takes CeeDee Lamb, the receiver from Oklahoma. They could go O-line, but given their system and everything, I see why CeeDee Lamb kind of fits perfectly. Yeah, great place for him to be groomed by Larry Fitz for a year or so. Very true. Yeah, I um, mean, assuming Larry Fitz stays, actually. 
Yeah, and then uh, to number seven, the Jets with Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia. Makes sense. Heartbreak Herba, it's a great pick, and you got to do that. You got to protect Sam Darnold. You got to see if Adam Gase can figure anything out with that offense. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Not have, much more to say on that not one. Not really. Uh, number eight, Jacksonville takes Isaiah Simmons, yeah. the linebacker from Clemson. Yeah, yeah. Bummer. Um, he'd fit great though. You know, Miles Jack is out there, so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. And I think so far, a lot of this really makes sense. But from pick number nine on, things can get just a little bit weird. And that's where it gets interesting for us, because if the season ended today, the Broncos would be drafting at 10th overall. They would. They're projected 12th in this mock draft because they're supposed to win or other teams are supposed to lose or something. But the ninth pick at the moment is Derek Brown, defensive tackle from Auburn going to Carolina. That's a great pick. Great pick, great value. Very good value, because he's somebody who could be picked a lot higher. If they were still playing that Ron Rivera Panthers defense, he is perfect. I mean, that defense, they've gone after guys like this time and time again, and he would be better than the Vernon Butlers and the Star Lutaleles. They've gone after Kawan Shorts in the past. He would be like that on steroids. Um, Euphemism, not literal. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he's going number nine here which is probably a little bit low interesting that the panthers would pass on a quarterback though like if we're thinking of what's the path to get a Derek brown to drop to the broncos one way would be for the panthers to pass on Derek brown because they say look we're not kyle allen has proven he's not the guy cam newton ah we don't know if he'll ever be healthy Justin Herbert, we're going all in. And that's what the Chargers do at number 10. Boy, woof. A division with Mahomes, Herbert, Locke. Is that high for Herbert? Car. But, uh, personally, yes, but, I mean, high upside quarterbacks, they're going to go this high. I, I fully expect them to go that high. And even though I've criticized them time and time again and said, I am not sold. I would be very skeptical of the Broncos taking him with Drew Locke, who has similar upside and profile. On my board, he's in the teens. Like, you know, he's not going to drop the very Yeah, Yeah, but again, that is just a little bit higher than he's probably worthy of. Quarterbacks rise. Todd McShay is projecting quarterbacks to rise probably, but... A little bit early, especially with the Chargers going quarterback. It kind of makes sense with Phillip Rivers aging. Oh, but Chargers, but I think it's a smart call by then. You think it's time to just – he's not going to get it back. Oh, he's not going to get it back. I mean, you need to start having a plan for the future. Okay. Uh, number 11, the Las Vegas Raiders take Paulson Adebo. Now, cornerback from Stanford. This is really where I really think this is a reach. I mean, he's not no, supposed to go anywhere near there. Who knows? Paulson might run great and you love the ball skills and you just say, hey, you had a bad day against Gabriel Davis and UCF, whatever. We can groom him. We can fix him. That happens. But typically when I see bad tape from corners and it makes me skeptical, rarely do they completely turn that around in the pros. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's just fair. Fix that. You know, he he was an All-American after his sophomore year, which is yep. oh, he had an pretty ama- crazy. I mean, well, and coming into the season, you listen to our preseason pods. We are way high on Paul. We are. Deep. We were so high. But b- before we even got to Pac-12 play, we'd kind of soured on him because he he did not. He had some shaky games. 
Yeah, so this is an interesting pick for sure. Again, Raiders going after speed, not a surprise. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, who knows? And they did go after some like culture guys in that first draft under Mayock, right? Yep. So it's possible that Adebo, a super smart Stanford guy, um, you know, really plays hard, uh, has had that production that they just say, hey, let's not get too cute and do this. But I'm skeptical. In fact, all the DBs he has in the coming picks, I thought, eh, a little bit of a reach. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Definitely a surprise. Number 12, the Broncos. Right. Take Grant Delpit. Safety from LSU. Right. We talked about this. I mean, they have been using three safeties regularly uh, with Will Parks. So in a sense, I guess you could talk yourself into Delpit. We love Delpit. Um, his stock has fallen off because he's had some tackling issues this year and just not had the season he had a year ago. Another guy like Adebo, whose stock has fallen a little after us being really high on him in the preseason. The tackling issues, though, make you feel like this is not a Vic Fangio guy. Exactly. And and that's kind of the main takeaway. I don't mind right. the Broncos taking a safety. I think a safety in the first round mm-hmm. is probably a bad idea just because right. there are bigger holes to fill. I mean, not assuming this safety, they, side ju- they sign Justin Simmons. Assuming they right. sign Justin Simmons. If they can't get Justin Simmons done, then sure, right. take that Grant changes Delpit. things, yeah. But assuming he's back, did, did Elway say this week that he's going to franchise tag him if... Yeah, I, or I there mean, was like the, a report that the came feeling out is no matter what Simmons is staying either under a long term deal or a franchise. Yep, and and so uh, we're go- working off the assumption that the Broncos don't let one of their best young players leave at this point, right. and uh, yeah, not the tackling it. that this scheme covets. Maybe not quite the versatility that this scheme demands either. Agreed. Um, if you're the Broncos here, who do you take? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, you probably won't be surprised to hear this. Visca? But Henry Ruggs or Visca would be the highest guys on my board. Higher than Werfs. Oh, no. Werfs would also be right up there. I forgot that Werfs is still around, and Javon Kinlaw would be really interesting at this point. It would be in order. Werfs, my 10th prospect. Ruggs, my 11th. Visca, my 12th. Then Delpit, 13. Epinesa, 14. Kinlaw, 15. So, some good options. Yeah, yeah. Grant Delpit probably the least. Absolutely for the needs that those, Denver yeah. has. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to number thirteen with the Falcons. C.J. Henderson, cornerback from Florida. Don't like it. Too high. Don't like it. Too high. Nope. I mean, I've, been, I've, I've, I've been skeptical on Florida corners before, and I have been correct about being skeptical on Florida corners before. Uh, too high. He hasn't played good enough this year. I agree. And tackling's another concern. It's why we haven't talked about him a ton for the Broncos either. Yeah, I, I, he he just is not. No, every ready. team needs corners, so I could. It makes sense that corners are kind of being moved up the board. So I get that, but corners being moved up the board instead of tackles, another position that seemingly the entire league needs, is surprising. Yeah, and. That's a position, offensive tackle, more than cornerback, I expect to be pushed up the board this this draft. And they have C.J. Henderson going before Christian Fulton of LSU. Right, that's or Trayvon Diggs, or Trayvon who I don't Diggs, think he yeah. even has in this mock. Um, so, yeah, that'd be surprising. This is definitely a surprising pick there. Mm-hmm. Number 14, the Browns take T. Higgins, the receiver from Clemson. 
interesting. Uh, we're going to have a run on receivers here. Uh, as I just mentioned, he would not be my top receiver, but mm -hmm. I get it. You got to love that size. But the thing is... The Browns? Yeah, Beckham Jr. and Landry. This is a team that if Wirfs is around at 14, now Wirfs has some concerns. We'll get into that. He's He is dropping in a couple mocks that have come out this week. Dude, you just take that gamble, though. I, I think so. There's so many wide receivers. You wait on receiver. Especially when you already are solidified for your top two. I mean... Higgins made, being the third receiver taken would surprise me quite a bit. Yep, yep, I think so. But but with the Browns already having OBJ, Jarvis Landry, I like the idea of adding a good third receiver. I think that in the modern NFL, you need four receivers who can play good football. Mm -hmm. First round, though, seems like maybe a bit much. Um, Or at least top 15 seems like. <sighs> seriously. But, hey, seriously, especially... I don't know. No, Higgins... Like this next wide receiver is going to be taken by the Colts at 15. We might as well say it's Justin Jefferson. It is Justin Jefferson, 15. Which opens up an interesting conversation of, to us, there's an established top tier of the wide receiver class. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, the two Alabama guys, Lamb and Visca. I think so. You could say the Alabama guys and the dreaded guys. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, if you want to group much. Them, you know. <laughs> um and then it's an interesting, like, the second tier. Justin Jefferson. I can talk myself into Justin Jefferson being one of the top guys in that second tier of wide receivers. We'll talk about Ayuk. Higgins we just talked about. Um, we'll talk about, we've talked about Devontae Smith, the other Alabama receiver some. Uh, Jalen Rhaegar, KJ really Hamler. Like him. We've really talked like both about, of those right. two. And I might be more excited to see either of those two than Justin Jefferson. That's the thing here. Now, Justin Jefferson's been dominant. He's found space. He kind of reminds me of maybe a more athletic Jarvis Landry. But he's one of those guys who I'd be surprised with the depth at wide receiver. Him being pushed up in the top 15 because there's not elite size, there's not elite speed, not elite quickness. Yeah, he kind of bullied guys. He dominated. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so he checks off a lot of boxes but doesn't have those elite traits that usually kind of push you up. So Yeah, and it's kind of been interesting to see interesting. which receivers. Uh, well, let's hit this next. 16th, Raiders again. They take Visca. Yeah, so you can't criticize him too much for a Debo now because you got Visca. Yep. If you flip-flop those picks, we might feel better. About true, true. I still think that might be a little bit high for, for a Debo, Debo there, but, but still. Um, again, because he's being taken ahead of Fulton, he's being taken ahead of Dix, who we think have had better seasons and shown themselves to be better corners. And when you look at the receivers that we see rising here, according to uh, Todd McShay, I mean, obviously have Jerry Judy going at the top. Mm -hmm. He's just special. But behind him, you have... Lamb at six, right? Yep, C.D. Lamb. You have Justin Jefferson. You have T. Higgins. You have LaVisca Chenault. Those are all really big receivers. Yes. And it seems like when we've been talking, and maybe this is unique to the Broncos, but we really think what's needed is speed. Yeah, that, we that, do. We do. And mm -hmm. and it's kind of been strange to see McShay valuing size, whereas through all the drafts, we've been saying what you need in the NFL right now is speed. Yeah, well, harsh reminder this last Sunday against the Chiefs yeah. that, uh, yeah. yeah. And I mean... 
look, everyone's going to say, well, also a harsh reminder, you need a tight end because Kelsey lit us up. Now, I think Incredible. those two receivers, though, really open space up for Kelsey because the Broncos have to play with two deep safeties at all times. Yep. And that opens up space for a guy like Kelsey underneath. And not to take away from Travis Kelsey. Like, no, no. He's, he's a monster. He's the best tight end in the NFL. Right. But he also has crazy advantages he's working with, and that's why he had the insane right. game that he had last week instead of catching 80 yards right and a touchdown. because if i'm picking my poison i would rather give kelsey 10 to 20 yards at a time than let hardman or hill burn me for 40 and a touchdown yep i mean i agree it's just sound reasoning so um yeah speed does open up things but speed wide receivers have also historically in the draft at least recently shown themselves to be more volatile than bigger wide receivers. Mm. I think we've seen more guys like DeAndre Hopkins drafted later on, Keenan Allen drafted like second rounders, Michael Thomas, um, work out more often than not, DK Metcalf, then the Tyler Lockett's, the Tyreek Hills, the Corey Coleman's, the Tavon Austin's. Yeah. You know, those guys, it really comes down to fit and they need to be pretty special to just dominate on speed on a play-in and play-out basis. Okay. Uh, number 17, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take Javon Kinlaw. What a great pick. Defense tackle, South Carolina. Yep, that's just incredible value right Love there. That. That's another guy who the more I watched that Kansas City game, the more it felt like, man, with this depleted D-line, a guy, a guy like Kinlaw to put opposite of Draymond Jones would be so nice. Yep. Yep, it would. Um, 18th, Philadelphia takes Henry Ruggs third receiver from Alabama. Great value pick, great need filled for the Eagles who are desperate. And he's and he's really fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, 19th, Jacksonville Jaguars take Raquan Davis, defensive tackle from Alabama. Little rich for my taste. I've talked myself down on Raquan. I might get burned on that. Gives me Kyle Campbell or even Carlos Dunlap vibes where bigger dns who you're like eh, what, what's their fit you know what's their ideal position do they have that elite burst and then it's like well actually they're just going to be studs and dominate with their size so maybe davis is that guy also the jaguars i feel like there are other needs but hey i, I agree it, and that could be a guy that we and the rest of the media are undervaluing and the nfl's like uh no he's six seven three hundred pounds and dominates and he should be a top 20 pick all right uh number 20 miami dolphins with curtis weaver the defensive end from boise state yeah jacked up edge i wouldn't take him this high but i know he's he's slowly becoming the consensus second best edge rusher in this draft and that's a position that similar to quarterback or cornerback or offensive tackle is going to be drafted higher than maybe value would warrant yep and, it, and it, I think that that really is the storyline here because there just isn't another edge rusher behind uh, uh, Chase Young. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. And so he's going to get overdrafted. Again, that's definitely a reach. Uh, 21, the Titans take DeAndre Swift, running back from Georgia. Seems fair. Yeah, I mean, they have Derrick Henry, but it'd be interesting to add him as a weapon and kind of turn him into that McCaffrey type. Yep. I'm very high on Swift, so I like that he's the... First running back taken in this mock. Yep. I think that that's probably about where he falls. Uh, the Cowboys at 22 take Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Interesting. A little high for me. I'm not oh, that really? high on McKinney. 
Yeah, but I feel like he's a guy who the Broncos and Fanjo might like a lot because he can be versatile. He can't move around. Um, so we'll see. I'll be interested to dig a little more into McKinney and his evals. Okay, and I think we're going to get into him a little bit more later too. Yeah. Uh, 23, the Bills, Brandon Ayuk, receiver a, from Arizona State. A bit of a shocker, but I can see it. Yeah. Um, A guy who... I've talked about both these euphemisms. Checks off a lot of boxes because he's got size and speed. Yep. But also has those elite traits with his speed. Yep. And he polishes a few things up. You know, he's a guy who can be used inside and outside. Um, I'd like to see him dominate at the point of, you know, when the ball's in the air on 50-50 balls more. I have a few concerns about his hands. I don't see a ton of drops. I see enough to be concerned. I'd like to see more special grabs away from his frame, over the shoulder, acrobatic grabs where it's like, oh man, that's that's a first round wide receiver. But uh, but I get it. I get it. I think that's fair, and this is definitely higher than most boards have Brandon Ayuk going. But he's a guy who we have frequently taken in our mock drafts in the second, sometimes even third round. Right. Uh, just because we do think that he does have value there. Other. People are catching on, I guess. Uh, he He's going to be a lot of fun wherever he winds up. He definitely could be a Bronco, too. He's another one who oh, I think would fit. I would love him in Denver. Like, high second round at this point, I guess. Yeah, but. it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. The Dolphins at 24 take Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, so Tua, Leatherwood, Curtis Weaver. Don't love those three picks. No. Um, of course, I love Tua and Similar to what we were saying last year with Locke, if Tua hits, then the draft's a win regardless. Um, yeah, Leatherwood, ah, man, I just think he's better suited at guard. And with the 24th pick, you might want someone that can stick a tackle. Yep. Uh, 25, the Vikings take Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia. Shocked, frankly. Yeah. Um, uh, injuries derailed this season. He's a guy we've talked about as someone who uh, the guy who has the sort of traits, versatility, tackling ability, what have you, to fit and be liked by Fanjo. I just, with the injuries and not the tape isn't great, I would be shocked if he went 25th overall. Again, Christian Fulton is still on the board. Crazy, and Trayvon Diggs. And Trayvon Diggs. Okay, uh, 26, the Packers take Devontae Smith, receiver from Alabama. I think that's the ninth wide receiver I think it's taken. Eighth. Wow. Insane. Insane, but so, I don't think it's wrong. No, I don't either. And I think that's why the mocks we do on that machine we love so much can be a little deceiving. Yep. Like, sorry, guys. Uh, even though it's a deep class, the NFL is not stupid. They're going to they're gonna feast on wide receivers early and often. Because that's where the value mm -hmm. is. Like, it's easy to say you can take that value in the third round when you have second-round caliber prospects still available. But it's also true that at 15, you can get a guy who should probably be going in the top eight in most drafts. Yeah. Like, that that value carries all the way through from round one through seven. Right. You just have to choose where that value is most valuable to you. Um, 27, the Seahawks take Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle from Florida State. I like him. That's the range I could see him going. I think it could be risky, um, but the upside is there as an interior disruptor to go that high. Yep. Uh, 28, 
Christian Fulton finally off the board. Cornerback from LSU goes to the Chiefs. Yeah, yikes. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, 29, the Saints take A.J. Epinesa. Another great pick for Epinesa. We've barely talked about. He started off slow production-wise. The tape was still okay. He was on a heater by that last month. And, I mean, I think he has to be... Um, he has to be in that conversation for interior D linemen that you look at in the first round. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the rich getting richer. Tristan Wirfs falls all the way to 30 to the Patriots. Incredible. We'll want to talk more about Tristan Wirfs um, and how he has been falling on a few mocks. I think people are souring a little. Um, I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Nick Kendall, um, who, who's a, you know, we, we've mentioned before, I've been on his podcast. He's an Iowa fan, so he's locked into Wirfs. He was always higher on him earlier in the season and trying to figure out why is this. He was saying, well, the Michigan game wasn't great because he was dealing with an injury. I went to rewatch the Wisconsin game. Probably the best edge rusher he faced was Zach Bond of Wisconsin, who will be at the Senior Bowl. He's one of the leaders in sacks in the country. He handled himself fine. Like, look, Wirfs is raw. He has played right tackle, though he did play some left tackle this season. That'll turn teams off. He plays too high as a run blocker. Um, awareness and IQ needs to be refined. Technique, especially with his hands, need to be refined. Getting to the second level and blocking well at the second level needs to be refined. I just have a hard time believing a guy with that size, that ability in pass protection is going to drop this far coming from a program like Iowa that develops guys. It's not like a spread where he's never gotten into a stance. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just think the, the worst stuff has gone a little crazy now. Jedrick Willis, right? That's yes. the name of the yes. Alabama guy. He has yet to be taken either, and we've seen him in some, some top tens, right? So it's interesting how the stock of these offensive tackles is a little all over the board right now outside of Andrew Thomas. Yeah, pretty much. Um, at 30, 31st pick, uh, the 49ers take J.K. Dobbins, running JK. back from Ohio State. Love it. Love yep. it. Love it. I've been talking him up this season. I've been saying he, uh, he, he could threaten in the first round. Are you surprised? He goes 31 and not your boy from Wisconsin. And what's his name, Dre? Jonathan Taylor. There you go. Did I? Yep. Oh. oh, no, that was right. What's crazy is I literally don't know which one's correct. <laughs> just guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Dobbins and uh, I mean, Jonathan Rich Taylor should Richer both be in that same spot. Going to the Niners? Like, but that's kind of what probably don't need do. a running back, but I guess it is. But, you know, I mean, that's very un-Shanahan to draft a running back round one. It is. We, the Shanahans don't do it. I almost said we because I feel like Shanahan's basically raised me. <laughs> I watched him coach the Broncos for my entire adolescence. Yeah. And then, yeah, we close it out with the Ravens winning the Super Bowl against the Niners, and they take the third edge off the board. Yeter Gross Matos, not much to say. We're not interested in edge rushers after Chase Young anyways. Agreed. Boom. All right. Um, before we move on to talk about another Another story, this one from Sports Illustrated, that has some insight into what executives are thinking about the very top of this draft. Mm -hmm. We do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Yep. And specifically, the Colorado Core. Ah, uh, yes. The champagne slash cider slash delicious fall going into winter beer. Yep. I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, 
I, I really like being on water with it, like floating down a river, like Boulder Creek, mm. I think it's called. Boy, was that a rough time. Did that this summer. Oh. It's just rocks. <laughs> like, the, there's only, like, <laughs> there's... There's like a foot of water and it's all rocks right there. And like my back was all scratched up and bruised. It was terrible. Um, Honestly, I'd probably still do it again. But it was definitely made better by the Colorado Coors I was drinking that day. That's like my Colorado Coors memory. Like when I think of Colorado Coors, I jump back to that day. (sighs) That was a good day. Also, I have how bad my back hurt. It was just terrible trying to arch my back in that little tube so I wouldn't just... uh, but yeah, Colorado Core, very good beer. I mean, it, it can improve a rough experience. It can, and it did. Literally a rough experience. Uh, yes, it you was. Love how right I here. do that? Uh-huh. It's so much fun. Shout out to all you kids out there. If uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. If uh, the listeners want to try Colorado Core, how can they do that, Andre? Well, they probably should just go to Total Bev, use their amazing app. Have it delivered to their door anywhere in the metro area, basically. Okay. So Did I nail it? No. Oh, but, but, but we do have to, we oh, are no. talking about Total Beverage next. Okay, good. I was going to say the beer locator oh, on yeah. the website yeah, will tell yeah, them where yeah. they can find it. But also, the beer locator is probably going to say, go to Total Bev. It might, because Total Bev for sure will be well stocked. It will. There's it has no doubt. everything. But it's true. Like, if you're on the go, you're... You're like me. You're coming home from from work. You just want to pick up a quick sixer of Total Bev and um and you know get get her done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that you? You like to get her done? <laughs> Absolutely. The, and you don't have time to go, you know, to Total Bev, or you don't want to wait for them to deliver it. You want the moment you get into your house, you want to open a a Breck Brew. That's how you find where the Breck Brew that you seek out. Is available. This was a great tool when I was uh, trying to find some Strawberry Sky. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And if you go through Total Bev, you can get 30% off your order with the code DNVR2019. Yep, yep, yep. And the prices are already low, so it's perfect. And they'll deliver it to you, or you can pick it up, or you can just go in the store and like find it yourself, like it's the 90s. I don't know. Um, I guess. What's better than that, huh? Not having to do that is better. Um, guys, guys being can I get a guys being dudes? <laughs> oh, guys being dudes. Oh, sorry. Nice, that's nice. that's not me. That's I don't. I'm not in the CSU Twitter. I don't get all the guys being dudes jokes where okay. I am. I guess I'm, I'll work on it. Yeah, fine. Be, it just doesn't pop into my head. Being a latest flowing down your your river of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I sure know, we're upsetting people it's so crazy. much. And right I wonder now. how that happens because <laughs> because when you go down that little creek, like everybody's doing it. Like there's so many people in tubes floating that, and so like <laughs> like if you, someone jumped off a bridge, Henry, would you do I, that too? <laughs> probably. Like if there were a whole Henry's bunch of people like doing it. If they it. told me it was lit, of course. But this creek <laughs> is just filled with college kids all floating. And I hit like three rocks in the first ten minutes, and I'm literally bleeding. Oh I, my! I did my dirty thing. Shout out to <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually bleeding. I'm like, okay, should we stop? This is terrible. But then you look around, and everybody else is still doing it. Like it's just an accepted part of floating that creek is you just get all bruised and bloody. You might not have had enough prick bruise. Maybe those people there had had some spirits and weren't. Drinking uh, <laughs> responsibly with Breckenridge Brewery. <laughs> they were partaking in something. Mm, uh, mm. Believe me. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Boulder. Okay. Um, 
now we want to talk about an Albert Breer story uh, for Mm -hmm. Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. It's his big board, but it's only the top 10 prospects. Right. And after he goes through the top 10 prospects, he gives some great insights. He gives some great insights based on conversations he's had with executives. So I guess what happened is he made his like top 10, then showed it to an executive and they said, well, actually, we think this. And then he showed to like three more and they think, well, actually, we think this. So then he tweaked it and they showed it to somebody else. And eventually he just tweaked it into what he thinks is the top 10 according to kind of a consensus big board yes yeah and and he, he kind of walks you through a bit of that process Which afterward might we have something like that in the offseason? we might have something like that mm, wouldn't well, that be fun tuned. um okay let's just fly through this he has number one chase young number two derrick brown very interesting he very, seemed we aren't to flying but yes this is he uh, seemed to imply that it's young brown and then everyone else seriously and i can kind of see that I agree. I kind of see that. That that opened my eyes some. Where, yeah, I'm. And you that's can make a strong case for that. I have Tua three. I have Burrow Tua two three. Judy four. Lamb five. Brown six. I'm just really high on the wide receivers and pretty high on these quarterbacks, I guess. But Brown really is that next best non-quarterback receiver for me after Chase Young. Yeah, I think so. And and McShay had him falling to nine with the Panthers. Right, right. Which, which surprised a lot of people. Well, and we got him in a mock in our last episode in 11 yeah. using the Draft Network consensus board. So interesting, huh? So, yeah. I mean, but I could see defensive tackle because it is less value dropping a little. But it speaks to, yo... This ain't just any defensive tackle. This guy can both take up two linemen and create penetration on the regular against the run and pass. I love him. I love his game. He's number two on this board. Number three is Ohio State cornerback Jeffrey Okuda. A little surprising. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Four is Burrow with him explaining good, not great tools, which I think in what has been one of the most immaculate seasons by a quarterback prospect that we've seen in recent years, I guess I could see it. Like maybe it isn't a rocket arm. Maybe it isn't constantly pinpoint accuracy, and he's not a Lamar or even Kyler Murray type athlete. But don't uh, overthink. And it. again, remember, like he's number four on this big board, but that's because he's just grading the football players in general. Right. He, he isn't saying getting a feel for what the NFL thinks of. And he isn't saying. Joe Burrow will go number four because we all know quarterbacks are going to be right. overrated. Quarterbacks are just valuable. He's going number one. Uh, edge rusher Chase Young, important. He's going number two. Um, number five is Georgia tackle Andrew Thomas. Great. I think the process might hurt him a little because I do worry that maybe it doesn't have elite length. But, yeah, I mean, how can you argue with Thomas? He's been so good. And six, Isaiah Simmons. Yep. Uh, seven, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Hi, but I get it. Like, his potential is so enticing. Yep. Uh, number eight, Alabama wide receiver Jerry Judy. A little low. A little low, but again, I told you, I think this process will knock him a little because we'll get too cute about it. I agree. Uh, number nine, Iowa tackle Tristan Wirfs. Mm, so... Maybe we're not so crazy after. Maybe we aren't crazy. I don't know. It's it's strange. Yeah. No, it's strange. I mean, hey, I get it. I get it. He said he compares to Titans right tackle Jack Conklin. I guess I see it. I think he's more uh, 
former Notre Dame and current Ravens left tackle who's going to his first Pro Bowl, Ronnie Stanley. He really reminds me a lot of Ronnie Stanley. Yep. Like raw, that but makes the sense. upside is so immense. I mean, you watch tape of him. There are just play after play where it's like, whoa, boy, <laughs> like that on my team. <laughs> okay. You feel me? <laughs> I, I, I feel you. Okay. Uh, rounding out the big board at number 10, LSU's Grant Delpit. We've talked enough about Delpit. Yeah. We have talked enough. Yeah. Um, okay, into his notes. Um, first of all, no one has much of an issue with Burrow as the top quarterback, and some felt he should be as high as number two overall on this list, which is in part a reflection of the makeup of the draft class. Young is clearly number one. Brown is a solid number two. And from there, it depends on who you talk to. And we we kind of mentioned that he said this a little bit earlier. Right. But, but yeah, I, th- I think that that is about right. Chase Young, Derek Brown then things kind of open up and you can make an argument for a Javon Kinlaw or a Jeffrey Okuda or right. Isaiah Simmons or Andrew Thomas or Jerry or Judy. Or the wide receivers. Or Tua, who he mentioned some evaluators did tell him Tua should be in his top 10. Others told him Justin Herbert should be in his top 10. Which is interesting. So, you know, opinions all over the board on who the second best quarterback is, how those injuries factor into Tua's stock. Um, and, you know, Herbert is a very divisive prospect. No surprises there. Um, now the paragraph that matters. The offensive tackle position will be interesting. Lots of teams need line help, and it's getting increasingly hard to find it. Yeah. Like we said earlier, there are four tackles in the mix to go in the top half of the first round, with Thomas and Wirfs joined by USC's Austin Jackson and Alabama's Jedrick Wills. I mean, first off, like Austin Jackson, we've, we were on him so we, we were early. On him early. I am so proud Alabama's Jedrick Willis. You know, as Wirfs gets knocked a little, I am talking myself into Willis, who doesn't have the potential. I worry doesn't fit as a left tackle, but man, he is smooth. He's he's solid. Like okay. he's solid. That's what you want out of a tackle prospect. Do you want a guy who you're like, yeah, I mean, boy, he's he's consistent. He's solid. He doesn't look sloppy. He's a great run blocker. Like you could do a lot worse. I think so. Um. Moving on, oh, yeah. says, uh, this is a really interesting one. It feels like teams have cooled some on Judy, yep. in part because of his size and in part because there's quality receiver depth in the first round. Both Clemson's T. Higgins and Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb were mentioned to me as players with a good shot at going in front of Judy. Crazy. I mean, that would be crazy if Higgins went ahead of Judy. Imagine if Jerry Judy fell to the Broncos be all for it. like i don't even want to think about it because be it all for it. i get too excited so, yeah now interesting thing is lamb higgins justin jefferson all these guys we get to see him in the playoffs baby we do oh, fun. we do um moving along everyone yep. loved yep. del pitt coming into the season and he slid some with inconsistent play this fall in particular, his tackling. Yep, we've talked about it. In fact, there are some execs who told me this week they believe Alabama's Xavier McKinney, mm. by virtue of his man-cover skills, could challenge Delpit to be the first safety taken. Well, and he's versatile. That's why I think he really fits kind of Fangio's profile. I, I agree. I agree. And, and You know, if we're going to play the nickel with a safety because we like that ability to play a little better run defense... You could do worse than Xavier McKinney. You could do a lot worse. Mm-hmm. He he is that chess piece. You put him everywhere, that mm-hmm. Derwin James type, yeah. where it's just he's he's a defensive football player. 
You you could throw him at linebacker. He's a great blitzer. You could throw him at that slot corner spot. There are questions whether he can right. play in single high coverage. Deep. Yeah, but but they say and covering I half the field, covering a deep third in like, the box either. Exactly deep third, which hey, that works. That's what you do in oh, Denver. Geez. Um, he reminds me a little of Jimmy Ward, who the oh. Niners took late first round when Fangio was their defensive coordinator. Interesting comparison. Famously, maybe the only him and Eric Reed only DBs taken in the first round by Fangio coordinated teams in recent history. Huh. Yeah. And 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 we've seen what kind of a weapon Cream Jackson can be. Over these mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, he's blowing mm-hmm. stuff up. We've seen the role that he fills in the scheme. Yeah. Essentially, you're kind of getting something similar in uh, yeah, Xavier not McKinney. The beast downhill, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of the profile, right? Pretty much. And he, he, no disrespect to Will Parks, who I think has played really well since getting more regular snacks, snaps at, as the nickelback. But I do think it's fair to say McKinney, even though I'm not one of his greatest fans, would be an upgrade. He'd be a pretty significant upgrade. Yeah. And... You know, Will Parks, another one of these safeties who is going into free agency. Yes. They're bringing back Justin Simmons. Are they really going to bring back their third safety? It's definitely possible. At the right price, it could be possible. Yeah. It, it's But if, if his, you're already paying two safeties. Right. If his play vaults him into, you know, and you assume you have Bryce Callahan back, you got to pay other guys on the D like Chris Harris and Derek Wolf. Yeah, maybe he's the sacrificial lamb, and you do target someone like that. And I think and I that would that's target how him to early second, not first. No, not with a top fifteen pick. Really? I say warning, warning, warning. Do not target this guy with a top fifteen because pick. he's a little small. He's a little small. I mean, he's just not like he's not. Free. I need a stud with a top ten to twelve pick. Mm. I feel like he's a nice piece, but he's not a stud. You might, you'd be passing on Kinlaw, you'd be passing on Wirfs, maybe, or another tackle. You'd be passing on a stud wide receiver. I just don't. And maybe we'll talk about McKinney more in the next episode. Maybe, maybe. I need to. Maybe I'm missing it, and I need to go back and watch some more. Especially tape. with Albert Breer saying that there are people who think he's going to pass Grant Delpit. Right. Right. And we need to remember. Look, we evaluate the draft year round. McShay does that too. Breer doesn't necessarily, though he keeps his eye, you know, he keeps yep. his ear to the ground, whatever. Not his eye to we the do. ground for sure, because yeah. then you're just... You'd no, be you blind, be and that anything. would defeat yeah. the point. <laughs> um, though. But anyways, these both these guys are really locked in with their sources. Yep. So more than what they're saying, it's what they're hearing that you need to be reading between the lines here, and that's what's intriguing here. Agreed. One last note. Yeah. Before the season, Georgia's DeAndre Swift was the tailback mentioned in this territory. A month later, it was Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor who came up. I don't think either will go in the top 10 picks, but both have a shot to go in the first round. Not a huge surprise, kind of what we've been thinking. Nope. Neither are the Christian McCaffrey, the Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley type, but... Oh, Swift, man. I, I don't think he's too far off, but yeah. Okay. Okay, so so we see them more late. Who's recent late first, first round quarterbacks like uh, running, running backs, backs like uh, Sony Michelle was there. Yeah, Rashad um, Penny, guys like yeah, that. Yeah, Rashad Penny was there. Mm-hmm. Neither of those guys are too intriguing at no, this point. No, they are not. No. So bad examples. <laughs> Mark Ingram, you know, there like you go. there's yeah. a guy who was drafted in that range. Yeah, 
okay. Melvin Gordon a little later on, but he was still top 15. Now, before we move on, because we've got questions, you've got more stuff to read and people to shout out. Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle for Georgia, joins a loaded tackle class. Yes. I'm very intrigued by him. I want to talk about him more. It's interesting. It's a year where we've got Willis, Wirfs, now Isaiah Wilson, a lot of guys playing right tackle who might go pretty darn high. I love Wilson's upside, frankly. Um, we'll get into we might get into him in one of these questions we have. But he's raw. He is raw. Um, also, Jordan Love, yes. quarterback at Utah State. Suspended. Uh, not suspended. Not suspended, but got himself but in trouble. You're arrested. Right. Uh, not arrested, cited. Cited. You know what? Let's just run through this whole thing instead of saying words. Um here's what happened. So I guess he was in his dorms or wherever the apartments are where he and some friends live, Utah State. Um, they were smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. And Utah famously is not a place where they like that type of stuff. Nope. One of the neighbors called the police. The police showed up to their apartment and could smell it, ended up getting warrants to test them. Jordan Love was hiding in a bedroom, so he was the last one. He was the seventh one that they found. And... Uh, now it sounds like they're actually having their arraignment at like the end of December. So they aren't going to be suspended for this game for some reason. So he will play in the bowl mm. game. Is this a bad look for a quarterback? Does it really matter when you're evaluating? Cause Jordan love a guy who's getting some first round hype still, maybe not as much. Yeah. I mean, it's now Jameis Winston went first overall. He was True. not at the top <laughs> of my board. Though at the top of my board was Marcus Mariota, and I was wrong about that. You would have been wrong with James Winston Clearly. up there, too. Absolutely. And picking anybody else would have been crazy at that point. What turned me off about James Winston, who is still ranked in my top 10 because the talent was undeniable, was his final year at Florida State, bad decisions, too many interceptions. And off the field, even terrible more terrible decisions. decisions. <laughs> and that's what I would say about Jordan Love. We've seen bad decisions on the field. Now we're seeing some bad decisions off the field. How bad is the decision, though? Like he's a college, <laughs> he's a college kid. Oh hey, he's I hear smoking you. pot. Yeah, and he's also in an apartment. Like it's not like they're out in public. It's not like they're driving around. Yeah. Like in an apartment where nobody should even know that's happening. And it's not like it's throwing a party where it's going to be super loud and uh-huh. people are going to be like, "Oh, this is annoying." Like it's no, in terms of bad decisions, right. this isn't the worst. It's, absolutely, it's not a DUI. But at the same time, this is a guy who. Hey, man, you've got just a, a little longer in Utah. You've got just a little longer of being an NCAA uh, player before you can finally really start to pursue your dream of making it into the NFL. Yep. I don't know. Definitely not a good look. Um, he will be playing. He still hasn't... Which com- is great for us to evaluate. For sure. Great. He still hasn't yeah, committed hasn't, to going an to the draft. One. He's an interesting one. I don't know. I don't know. Steven Montez, by the way, going to the Senior Bowl. Great stuff. Love it. There's so much more to talk about with the Senior Bowl invites. Um, but, yeah, him and yeah, the Michigan quarterback, Shea Patterson, are going to be at the Senior Bowl. So, which yeah. I think is a signal that Herbert won't be. Now, Jordan Love will. At the Senior Bowl? That's huge. Yep. He isn't a senior, though, is he? Is he a senior? I don't think Jordan Love is a senior. I don't know. We'll figure that out. We'll get into some bowl games here you in the future. You do a read. Oh, boy. Oh, I would love to do a read. <laughs> um, next up, I am going to tell you about Mile High Green Cross. You know where Mile High Green Cross is, Dre? I do not. 
literally one block from my apartment. Oh wow! Yeah, I was reading this read, and uh, toward the end, do you which want people you, you guys to are all going to hear. Um, well, they don't know which direction. Yeah, yeah, there he's in his one massive apartment building that's one block away. I'll have you know, he's in the senior bowl. Oh, really? And if you wanted that update, so yeah, I was right. It's not a matter of of deciding. Um, and if you wanted that full Jordan Love update, I I pity the fool who clicked the fast forward button on our read because that's how we keep you engaged. Exactly. Now you guys can't leave. Um, let me get into this read and then tell you. An address a block away from my address. Uh, Mile High Green Cross. Uh, they offer an experience that you won't forget. It has award-winning products. Check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you'll receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention, they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces uh, and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. No cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts Hyper, H-Y-P-U-R. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know that's super important for me in my hectic and crazy life. They're informative and speedy. Head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They're conveniently located on 9th and Broadway. Wow. And they also offer parking in the back. You're getting spoiled. You live close to them. They'll get you in and out really quick. There you go. I mean, how perfect for us to talk about Jordan Love and go right into that read. Also, I would... (laughs) How perfect is that? How perfect is that? (laughs) After I just pass judgment on the poor kid you yes know? you did but hey i'm not getting into the nfl trust me i i, if I was truly making that, believe you if i was making that kind of change uh maybe i'd stop doing uh the things you do yeah yeah or these reads <laughs> <laughs> and also i do want to say that somebody on this like shared read in the google doc that the whole company uses when they have to talk about mile high green cross oh, lay it on us um so here's the sentence on average, the time you walk in to the time you walk is only nine minutes. Oh. Yesterday, it was just fine. Somebody went in there and cut out the word out. How dare they? I know. This is the type of stuff that I... I add out back in there. I think type. all caps and bold. So they know. So How next dare time, they? Next time you guys are listening to the Broncos podcast or something, and RK yells the word out, you're going to know why. I'm going to put it in bold, too. We're going to put it in bold, see if I can get somebody to yell it. If you do hear somebody yell it, please tell me because it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please do. Wow. Well, we've got our first batch of bulls to talk about, but you guys killed it on the comments. Um, more and more. I'm starting to worry we'll have to begin to dedicate two segments to your questions. Um, so, yeah, I'm concerned. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've texted the fam. I'll be in late tonight. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Shall I start? Yes. Also, Jordan Love is a junior. Well, he's at the senior bowl, buddy. So he, it could uh, that be. That shouldn't be allowed. Well, he could have graduated. I guess. I bet he did because he was a redshirt. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So anyways, the bigger storyline, though, is it's. it feels like if those guys are in already, they've kind of got the no from Herbert. But it looks like there's a couple spots that they can. Shea Patterson? Out. I mean, Steven Montez. Shea Patterson's so bad. He's terrible. He's awful. He's terrible. So that's my now professional that opinion. Now that Steven's there, I feel like I convinced Brandon to bring me. 
Yeah, best of luck with that. I tried to put in the good word. I gotta uh, say, it wasn't wasn't encouraging. I cover college sports. <laughs> well, I know um, these guys. Those guys are graduated from college. Is gonna be his uh, argument. <laughs> well, we're not getting any insights from him. You guys won't. Oh I'll boy! I'll have him send me somewhere else. Oh what's boy. what's like the we'll second? What's a second tier afar. senior bowl? He's not the Shrine Game. Uh, oh. Our Andrew Mason will be there early January. Oh no! Way. Oh, early January. That's soon. Yeah, it is. You've got college hoops to cover. <sighs> we'll talk about it off air. So, oh my goodness. Um. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Caspar. Oh, you have questions. <laughs> oh. Oh no! Please help me read this name. Oh, you're not. Oh, Ola Casper. Oh, Ol Casper. Ol Casper. There you go. One of us knows how to write. They probably I mean read. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's uh, debatable if we even know how to speak anymore. So, not really. Hey, I promise we have not gone to Green Cross. We are no. I just have a little bit of a cold, and it's really yeah, getting to and me. And Hank's working a game, so he hasn't had a Breck Brew or anything. That's true. I gotta so. go see Prairie View A and M. We've just we've just got a lot of things in our heads. You know, we're we're a beautiful minds, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't show in the way we talk sometimes. True. Hey guys, thanks a lot for some great insights in your podcast. Well. Thank you, old Casper, because uh, the further we get into this, the more I feel like it's <laughs> just Hank and I allowed to have a conversation and we loosely talk about the draft in college football. We did a great job talking about the draft today. I do want to say that. Wow. We were very focused, I felt like. You come in with the pats in the back. I come in with some healthy skepticism on well, that. Well, we have to balance <laughs> it out. Um, could you talk about some later round cornerback prospects that mm. might be in Denver? Miles Bryant, we like him. I do like him. Tell the people where he where he goes to college. He goes to Washington. Uh, I actually had a chance to talk to him this summer at Pac-12 Media Day. Was mm, very impressed. I mm. uh, liked his attitude. You know, because yeah. because I asked him. Obviously, I, I cover CU in case you hadn't heard. Uh, <laughs> I asked him w- whether he looks ahead to playing against a guy like Lavisca Chenault, or if that's something that he doesn't really care about. Uh, and he said that he like circles the day on the calendar. Like, that's what it's all about. Mm. He loves that type of stuff. He wanted to play him last year. He was really excited to play oh, him I last year. That. But then Visca was banged up, didn't play, and he was very disappointed. That's He's, that's the attitude you want to hear. Absolutely. He's a guy that fits the profile of who they like to the Broncos. This yep. is now that's the they in question. Um, so, yeah, he's a really intriguing one. Then he asks about Eric Stokes, who's um a Georgia cornerback, who I'm sure you're – the head coach you covered would would have some great insights on him. Um, maybe you can stay in Boulder and get those for us. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, sophomore DB, but I bet he's a redshirt sophomore. He's had some buzz. I don't think you'd have him in the late rounds if he declares. Um, Stanford Samuels the third. And Levante Taylor. Levante Taylor's an FSU guy. I was talking about him yesterday because... He was in one of the mocks that one of you sent us, um, and I criticized that pick because, well, for one, I have skept- healthy skepticism about everything, um, but like, I need to watch more FSU, frankly. I was never super impressed. He's a guy whose like, name I've had on my radar for like three years, it feels like. Never really impressed me, but another smaller corner who'd fit. Samuels is another FSU guy. I want to watch more of him. They just had such a terrible season this year. Hmm. Terrible season at FSU, you know. Yeah. Um, so, But, yeah, those are intriguing names. I really like Bryant. I think Stokes, 
if he declares, assuming I haven't missed that he declared already, could go higher than the late rounds. I also feel like Brian, what do you feel his range is? Like three to four? Rounds yeah, three to four? I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit later. But but yeah, I, I me personally, yeah. I like him three to four. Oh, I, if he I mean, ends up being four to five, then I wouldn't be surprised. You'd pounce. Yes. Stokes, I feel like, will go in the top 100. You think so? Yeah. The Florida State guys, uh, I need to look into that 2019 Florida State tape more. I was not super impressed with Levante Taylor. I, I really need to watch more Samuels. And that might be a place Who's where you a junior. do take a guy like Julian Blackman, the safety from Utah, because he is kind of that hybrid type of player. He fits, right? He, he fits. Yeah, would you rather Xavier McKinney in round one or Julian Blackman in the bottom half of round three? That's tough. Right? That's tough. It depends on how the board falls. I do think that that's where you... Same. There, that line is drawn. Yeah, and these are conversations I want to have more about. Because I do feel like you guys are such smart listeners and you send us all these mocks. But sometimes as fans, we can get too locked in to one guy. And it's like, oh, if we don't get that guy, then we're done. No no yep. point in even drafting that position. It's like, no, every position is 20 deep. Yep. Like, we've got mad options. So don't zero in like that. Okay. Agreed. The big Tabowski has two great questions. Instead of waiting to read his second question when it falls in our order, we're going to tackle him back to back. Let's do it. You down? The big Tabowski. First question. Hey guys, let's talk centers, or uh, or as we centers? would say, oh, they spell things wrong. In oh, the UK. oh, oh, in That's the UK. That That's a great joke. I just wanted to make sure I'd pronounce it right. It's just a different spelling of centers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clueless. A lot of people have Tyler Badass. Badass. I basically I just call him Badass. I like that. Like best. if I was him, I'd change that legally. Um, being taken at the end of round one. No doubt. He's the top center in the draft. Actually, even that's debatable. Um, there's some Creed Humphrey love out there. And with how they've played this season, I think the Oklahoma center might be higher. But anyways, and Wisconsin have a long history of great linemen. They sure do. But wouldn't it be better value to get Lloyd Cushenberry the third, late in the third? Yes, it would. We just talked about that. I yes, agree. yes. Big Tabowski, you get it. I love that. True. We could use one of those thirds to move our second round pick to a low first round pick and grab the Badger. But I'd rather we only do that for a flashy player like if Ruggs drops or even on Chenault. Yeah, sign me up. Seriously. Then there's the Oregon center, Jake Hansen. Or Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, who I just talked about. Hansen can be had later on. Nick Harris of Washington's right up there. Um, Michigan Center, who I always space on, really intriguing as well as later round options. Um, who I believe are somewhere in between the two. He talks about Hansen and Humphrey. Basically, can you give me your thoughts on those four guys and where you think their value sits? Do we need a center? Personally, I think so. I miss Paradis. And McGovern would be better at guard. I agree. He's kind of a perfect right guard. And who knows if they'll re-sign him. Lastly, I always make my own potato salad. I can't. It's It blows my mind that you guys listen to and remember the nonsense that we've <laughs> talked about. I'd forgot all I about, potato, about salad. potato salad. It is literally one of the easiest things to make. 
culinary wise and tastes way better than anything you buy in the shops. Boom, your like theory. The, you're like Michael Scott. That's an exact line from Michael Scott in is? the office. Yeah. Yeah, he brings potato salad to like a great like oh. potluck with oh, like that's gourmet. Right. And he's like, I just buy it from the store. I don't know why anyone would <laughs> yeah, make that's it. Right. <laughs> oh, it's, I, I don't know. Love the draft pod. Thanks for all your hard work. We, I mean, the love is reciprocated a million times over. Okay, so Humphrey, I feel like more powerful, has had the better season, more raw upside too. Um, Biadaj, more of a technician. Cushionberry, to me, maybe the best fit in this scheme. He I moves really like so him. so well, man. I really like him. He's great. He moves so well. Nick Harris, boy, he's just a bulldog. The Washington Center, who you didn't even ask about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bonus for you. And Hanson... Man, he's played on such a great line. I wonder how much of that's kind of covered up. Yep. Yeah, you I know? think so. Like, because Shane so. Lemieux is a great guard. They have the best tackle in all of college football on the left side in Penny Sewell. They've got my my boy Throckmorton at right tackle. Um, like, man, yeah. you Like, life's easy on a center when you've got three future pros on your line. It's true. And their left guard's probably pretty good. I'm spacing on him. Right? I don't remember so. his name. Then he also asked. Lemieux? That is Lemieux. Never mind. Yeah, Shane Lemieux. Yep. He also asked. This was today. He, his first question was from the 16th. We're recording this on the 19th. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys. I've heard rumors. A few former linemen are saying that Wirfs and Thomas don't fit Denver's scheme very well. Now, we've talked about Wirfs and his stock being, I think it was Tyler Columbus on Twitter, and that they are too big and bulky. Well, now sizes and everything. Guys can move well and fit the scheme even if they're big and bulky i know that and this is a class all the guys aside from maybe leatherwood like the top tackles wilson and lucas niang and uh prince tagawanagu from auburn um the the louisville guy who I, I tweeted out some of his highlights and they were just insane um mckay Bechter, something like that we we can look it up in a sec um, you should probably look it up while I do this work. Yeah. Becton. Mackay um, Becton. Yeah. That's his name. They're all massive. They are. But just looking at them, you can't be like, oh, they don't fit. Like some of these guys move really well. So I know that offensive pl line play is often very difficult for us to evaluate as it's very specialized skill. So I must bow to their knowledge on this one a little. Eh, don't be so quick. And and I would we also, also say watch a lot more college football than some of these people who like to spew their opinions. Also true. No, no shots at Columbus. No, you don't even remember who you got him from. So yeah, uh, I do want to say though that left tackle is a position where if you're trying to run like a zone scheme where everybody's moving, that's a spot where having somebody's a little bit less mobile isn't that big of a deal mm -hmm. when you're looking for these mobile guys who can get out and block that's primarily the interior guys right whereas left tackle you just want somebody who's going to protect the quarterback pretty much if, if he's fast too then that's great right and that's the great skill to have right like clady it was awesome and once in a while they'd get him out in space on a mm -hmm. bubble screen or like he'd get to the second level because on a big outside run and it was awesome to see but that wasn't his primary skill set. no no like you're you just don't want drew lock to get killed right like that's what you're looking for right like think how much how often do they really run behind the left side in this scheme it's very true yeah. it's always just stacked tight ends right. all over the right side right um however if this is the case now it's not uh Wirfs does run even at um iowa they run a decent amount of zone blocking i don't think he's he's like 
going to be deficient in that. And yeah. Given what you just said, and Andrew Thomas, I just think he's so powerful. At, like, he can get to his spots. He's athletic enough. His concern to me is going to be more length. Um, but yeah, he can he can move east and west and get to a spot and reach block and do the kind of things you need to do in this zone scheme. Also, remember with Munchak, they run he ran more gap, so you can adapt your scheme a little bit. However, if this is the case, wouldn't now? And I'm not just saying that. We've seen teams like McVeigh; they've been running more gap scheme and going away from the zone. Huh? Like you need to adapt to your guys. Plain and simple. You do. However, if this is the case, wouldn't it make sense to go splashy with the top wide receiver? currently drooling over Judy, Lamb, or Ruggs, or perhaps even the top defensive talent available, either the top corner or Derek Brown, whichever is there, and then pick up Austin Jackson or Prince Tegawanagu later on as they are more suited to our type of line play? Man, we're splitting hairs to say that they're more suited. I think those guys might fit just a smidge better than Thomas, not than Wirfs. I think Jackson fits better than Wanagu, but again, eh. Personally, I can see Wirfs or Thomas making a massive impact on our team. But it is an interesting point that needs discussing. They have clouded the water on what I thought was our best draft strategy. Oh, t- offensive tackle first. Thanks again, the big T. Well, thank you. That's an awesome question. We're going to dig into more tape. Now that we're not watching college football every Saturday, yeah. we've got the Bulls. But we can just feast on tape, which is what we, we're going to enjoy doing all uh all year round, it's going to feel like 2020 is going to be a great time. So I do like receiver first, though. I still think grabbing one of those really no. top-end guys, or even a Derek Brown. And it's a player-by-player case basis for yep. me. I like Judy and Lamb better than any of the top offensive tackles, but I like Thomas and Wirfs in this order better than Ruggs or Visca, who present a little more risk. I agree. And uh, – I would also say that if you go defense in the first round, it has to be Ter- Derek Brown because he's falling. Or Chase Young, if for some reason he falls. Right. Like, right. like patch, patching a hole on defense isn't a priority as much as fixing this offense is. But if you can find somebody like that who's just an insane upgrade, mm-hmm. you, you can't say no. Right. And I've talked about this before, but corner in this scheme, you don't need an elite corner with size and speed to play man down in, down out. And that's what, you, that, that's what first round corners are. Like those are guys who have those skills, and Especially sometimes that the means top twelve. Yeah, and that that sometimes means that they aren't playing much zone, and might even be worse off in a zone scheme than somebody you grab in the second round or yeah. late first round. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great question. I mean, really great two questions from yep. the Big Tabowski, my man. Love you. Uh, lots of love mm-hmm. from from Colorado to the UK. King Medicine. Oh boy, he comes with a heater here. Mace, our Andrew Mason. Said he sees some bulls in Austin Jackson with his raw talent and upside, but not as pro-ready as some of the other prospects. How dare you talk about my boy like that, Maze? Anyways, you guys seem to think a little better of him. He seems like our most realistic option with Thomas and Wirfs going before our number one pick. Is he a boomer bus guy, or is he more pro-ready than Mace seems to think? Also... There's a run on offensive tackles before we can pick any of the top options. Are there any later round gems who, with Munchak, might be viable starters in the near future? Finally, is there anyone on the interior of our line now that might be able to play outside? Love the pod. Okay, I'll start here. Um, yes. With the seeing Bowles and Austin Jackson, what, what made Bowles 
fail in the NFL isn't that he wasn't pro-ready when he entered. It's that he didn't improve. A lot of guys aren't ready to step in and be starters day one. There we say almost everyone. Pretty much everyone. But they have to improve and get there. Mm-hmm. Bowles had whatever was holding him back from improving, whether he just couldn't do it mentally, whether he didn't put the time in, for what whatever reason it is, and we don't need to speculate what those reasons are, right. he did not get better. And you could kind of see that coming because he was also... 25 he was right there, so there were some there's other a knocks. big difference between being raw in 21 and raw in 25 and only played like four years of organized ball yeah and so i don't know if you're comparing austin jackson to garrett bowles you have to compare I also them don't before see the, the holding right, right also true now they both come from the pac-12 south they are both raw their best skills maybe their power in the run block though austin jackson Fills out them pants a little more. He you does. feel me? Yes, he does. Uh, that's for y'all uh, light in the pants crowd who get that joke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there's what. Uh, so he is risky. I would not take him with a top 10 or 12 pick. I think that's a little too rich. I think a top end defender wide receiver will be available that I'd take ahead of him. Yep. And, and I do think like I like Austin Jackson. I think that. I mean, the number one thing that I want you to take away from this is that Bowles wasn't bad because he was was not pro-ready when he entered. It's because he never became pro-ready, and that's just something you can't project with Austin Jackson. Right, right, absolutely. I think all the tools from this former four-star who turned himself into a high-end prospect at USC, very valuable starting left tackle in the Pac-12 with like a revolving door at cor- quarterback. Mm-hmm has a much more valuable skill than what Bulls showed in one year at Utah. And like Dre said, he didn't hold. Right. He doesn't have he those d- problems. Yeah. Because remember, it's not just the last couple of years in the NFL that Garrett Bulls has led the NFL in holding. He also read the, led the NCAA in holding before that. Yeah, it was a concern. Um, uh, okay. Let's see. The next question. Also, if there's a run on tackles before we can pick any of the top options, are there any later round gems who, with Munchak, might be viable starters in the near future. Now, it's a tough position to project later, like how much later, because we've talked about Prince Wanagu. We've talked about Jackson. We've talked about Lucas Nyang. We've talked about... um, We haven't talked about Calvin Throckmorton yet. Two Alabama guys. Throckmorton, though, I Right tackle, moves inside. Right tackle, at best, probably better moving inside. Josh Jones of Houston, who's also going to the Senior Bowl. I feel like all these guys will be gone by early round three at the latest. Trey Adams, we've talked about before. Yeah, it's early. But I think there's going to be a run, and you see like 10 guys go, man. Um, John Runyon from Michigan. Okay. That's a name to keep in mind. He's gonna. We're gonna, you know, tear him apart to death because he doesn't. He doesn't have those elite skills, right? But very solid. Trey Adams, because of the injuries, might fall. But there's some upside to gamble on. Samuel Cosme of Texas, if he declares, yeah, maybe. Um, there's a guy. Uh, um, oh gosh, Notre Dame, Liam. Eichenberg, I forget if he's a senior or not. Uh, so he could be an option. But, I mean, even if you wait, you kind of need to get... Tommy Kramer's another guy. Um, it's like... It's kind of guys you need to capitalize on earlier rather than later. Yep. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's just the case with tackles. You know, you there aren't a whole lot of good tackles in the NFL. It's kind of like quarterbacks where if you say is there is there a sixth round quarterback you like who could be a difference maker? All of those guys are really really long shots. And we talk more about how there are so few starting caliber quarterbacks, but the same thing is going on at left tackle. Right. Yeah. Um let's move on to uh I've got oh, and then interior of our line. Oh yeah, might be able to play outside. Well, I don't we've think seen so. Wilkinson. Oh. Rise, do you count him you as an interior? Try. Yeah. Oh right, no, you you wouldn't because he's played tackle. Reisner, you could try at right tackle, which he did in college. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Yeah. No, they they need to they need to spend money on the offensive line, like big money. They need to draft a few guys. And I don't know. They've they've been so willing to to have too many guys at a position, and and not as much recently as their depth has kind of been depleted. But remember the cornerbacks when you had Kayvon Webster as your number four. He's a good number four quarterback. Cornerback. He'd be a number three, sometimes a number two on a lot of teams in the league at the time. Uh, the edge rushers when you go four deep with Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray. But through this whole era, they haven't been willing to go too deep. At offensive line you know it's it's always can we patch this hole can we yeah. find somebody to fill this fifth offensive line spot fourth offensive line spot sometimes but you've never said oh wow look we're seven deep with offensive linemen and that surprises me and part of it's because the offensive line doesn't rotate so it doesn't feel like you you need to have that many whereas the edge rushers you can put them in and right. take them out but and it's football, and it's the NFL, so roster spots are limited, and you know. But at the same time, take on a lot of stuff. Offensive linemen get hurt too, and you need to have a backup. And your plan can't be, we're going to be good enough, hopefully. But if somebody gets hurt, then we definitely aren't going to be all right. And that's what it is when you're trying to patch that fifth spot. So I'd love to see them just load up, have guys who can step in when somebody goes to free agency. Like you don't have to get outside help to fill a role. Wouldn't that right. be nice? Right. Absolutely. Um, okay, Broncos, Nugs. We've got just a couple more to go, and we're at an hour and 20, so we got to close her oh off. After the Chiefs um, games, it made me want a deep threat for Drew to hit. Um, to hit. We have the running back, a big wide receiver, and a fast tight end now. Add in rugs. This team could have a fun offense soon. What do you think? Yeah, we agree. I mean, that's what we've been saying a lot of the yep. year. Speed. I hear Ruggs is a bit faster than Hill. Do you think if he could be a better version of Hill on the field, that is, everyone is better off the field? Well, because remember what Tyreek Hill did to his girlfriend. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, oh, you're... D- <laughs> okay. I'm confused by how he would make people better off the field. Would... I guess I'm... I mean, is, is, look, would, projecting Ruggs to be better than Hill is a tall task. Yep. Um, Hill's just been amazing. Rugs might be a little faster, but you know, I mean, there's a reason we project Rugs in the top ten to fifteen picks. Yeah, no, he, we're really he could be that guy. Him. He would open up space for everyone, hundred percent. And at the very least, he's better than Michael Hardman. He should 100%. be who who is playing very well as a rookie for the Chiefs. Hundred percent, and yeah. is kind of a similar type of player. Right. Also, I was thinking for the second pick, we could get one of those centers and move Connor back to right guard. With Jim's coming, James coming back, the left tackle problem doesn't seem as bad. We definitely still need to address it, but I think those two picks could make a huge difference for the offense right away. 
Um, I like moving Connor to right guard. I think there's plenty of options at center. We've talked about that. Um, yes, with James back, the line is much better. And look, if you want to patch up the O-line now, forget the draft. You need Sign to somebody. go after free agency. Yep. You need to use all this cap and really go after and Anthony Costanzo. There's a few mm-hmm. other guys I really like um, and hit that up. I would so, much yeah. rather see them get a left tackle in free agency. Free agency. Like it's going to be expensive, but that's fine because it's valuable and you need it. Yep. And you have the money to afford it. Find fun receivers in the draft. Get that left tackle locked down for 100%. sure. 100%. And I think you could find a semi cheap cornerback to fill that scheme too. Definitely. Okay. Hunter P with. How our much is Bryce Callahan making? Like 10 mil? I think it's even less. Oh, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's a little less. You're right. It's like a, in the eight to nine. Exactly. Like, that's not much for a guy who we think is going to be a very important part of the scheme. Absolutely. You can find those guys. He just needs to get healthy, but absolutely. Final question. Hunter Pete, do you guys think that the Broncos could grab Davion Taylor as an undrafted free agent, or do you see him as more of a day three prospect? I. Th- it's trending like he's more day three, um, maybe not even late day three, more mid-day three. You know, he got the Senior Bowl invite. Guys like Mo Cupper have him ranked in the top linebackers. Um, I think the draft process is going to help him because you'll test well and people will gamble on that upside and those tools. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think he's more likely to get drafted, but the draft season will tell, lost, tell us a lot about him. We talked about him much more in depth a couple weeks ago when, when – he got accepted to the senior bowl and stuff yep because when you look at draft prospects it isn't like uh, it's kind of a pyramid there are only a couple of these really elite guys but then as you go down there's a lot of guys jockeying for these different positions and by the time Mm -hmm. you get to the late rounds i mean they're they're what 400 guys who have a chance to go in that last 100 picks maybe and all yeah, depends on, could, on this yes. jockeying over the next few months. And that's why it's so hard to project where people go right now. You know, Julian Blackman, is he a guy who's a seventh-round pick or a third-round pick? Mm-hmm. We still don't know. It's going to take a while. For Davion Taylor, I'd say right now... Draft process, process w- will be very telling, yes. I, I would say he's more likely a draft pick, but there's still just so much variance there that we can't tell for sure. <sighs> Bowl games. Bowl games. Let's get into bowl games. Forget all about that. Also, Bryce Callahan signed a three-year, $21 million contract. Oh, yeah. So Like, that's – do that again. Find find another guy who wants seven, $8 million. All of a sudden, your cornerbacks are fine. And all you need is fine right, right now. Right. Especially because you really don't want to deal with a young cornerback there, you know? You, you don't want to have to go through the struggles of the blown coverages. Just want somebody who's fairly consistent – you know what you're going to get on any given play. Um, There it is. Okay. So, bowl games. Oh, and this is... Yeah, and order. I think we want to focus on three, really. Yep. And it's kind of one prospect per game. So, FAU at SMU, one of those. Because senior bowl, tight end, um, Harrison Bryant who's one of the more intriguing receiving tight ends in this draft, will be there. And it'd be nice to see him in a bowl game setting. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And this is the Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that'll be, what, December 21st, so the day after tomorrow. So that's Saturday at 
1.30 Mountain Time, if you guys are trying to watch it. Um, there you go. Then Jordan Love with Utah State against Ken State. That'll be a big one just to see what he can do after all he's gone through this week. Yeah, that's a uh, exactly. Who who knows? Yeah. Who yeah. knows? Harrison Bryant. I nailed that name. I'm amazed. Um then we have the App State UAB game. Akeem Davis Gaither, the App State linebacker, very instinctive. He's rangy, athletic. He might fit what the Broncos are looking for. Be interesting to see him in this bowl game this week. What what um you want to tell the good people what bowl that is? I would love to. That's the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Oh, I wish I was there. At seven o'clock Saturday night. Whew. Nice. Yes. They don't give us the date. They give us the date. Um yeah, so that's Saturday. Uh, then, the last one we want to talk about, uh, Boise State Yeah, playing Washington. Yeah. Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, that's in Vegas, by the way. Uh, at 5.30 on ABC, also Saturday night. Yeah, so Jacob Eason, who we're less interested in, but how he does will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Curtis Weaver, the edge rusher for Boise. The Washington line with Nick Harris, Trey Adams will be interesting. Miles Bryant on their defense, also yep. interesting. Then John Hightower. Do not overlook the speedy wide receiver for Boise State. Huh. He is very intriguing. He's a guy I'll have a close eye on because I know we're all looking to find that speed gem later in the draft. He might he might fit that need to a T. And tight end Hunter Bryant for Washington oh, is a guy. Right. He's such a star. But he's, he's sitting so out. talented. Ah, yes. 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 And yes. I hate that. I mean, like, I probably a good decision. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Saw right. what happened to Jake you Butt, another tight end. You would that way. But, but yeah. I hate it. I want to watch him play. Um, okay. I think that that's it for today. If you guys have Perfect. any questions that you want answered, leave them in the replies to this uh the post for today's podcast at the dnvr.com again you do have to be a member to uh, leave a comment definitely worth it though uh you can pick up the gift pack that we're selling now that comes with a couple free items and obviously a subscription for just the price of a subscription it's a steal definitely get on that way you can we'll be back uh to talk about the draft next week probably oh yeah there you go booyah